0: theologians talk about the Christocentric nature of the scripture. It's true. When you come to the Bible, it isn't just to get religious data. It's to be transformed. When we say abide in his word, it's so that you'll see him. The more time you spend in his word, the more you see the very glory of God in the face of Christ. And you'll lose your enthrallment with this world as you're enthralled. With the very glory of God, the face of Christ. And it is the Holy Spirit's ministry to take the things of Christ and make them real to us. He will glorify me, Jesus said, because he'll take the things of mine and disclose them to you.
1: Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Be Transformed. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: In Isaiah 5, he said, you know, I came to Israel looking for good fruit, and all I found was worthless fruit. And Jesus applied that in Matthew. He took that parable, or that song of the vineyard in Isaiah 5. You'll see it there in the first three verses of Isaiah 5. And he applied that, the worthless fruit that God found. Ultimately, when God sent messengers, the prophets, they beat him up. And they killed him, and they sent him off. And finally he said, I'll send my son. And he sent his son, and they killed him. And you remember, Jesus was very pointed about the fruitlessness of Israel, culminating in rejection of Christ. But as you read the chapter of Isaiah, it's interesting, because uh, Isaiah describes the worthless fruit that they were producing. And it's interesting, it involved an awful lot of economic prosperity. Verse 8, Woe to those who add house to house and join field to field until there is no more room so that you have to live alone in the midst of the land. Things were popping in the market, and realtors and people that amassing land, they were making lots of money. And there was a lot of prosperity and there was a lot of pleasure. Whoa, verse 11, to those who rise early in the morning that they may pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening that wine may inflame them. And their banquets are accompanied by harp and lyre, by tambourine and flute and by wine. I'll tell you, the money was rolling in and people knew what to do with it in Israel. They were enjoying it with the banquets and the music industry and all the rest. It was luxurious living. And there was a lot of drinking, as we see. There was, when God looked for justice, He didn't find it. He found violence. He found wickedness running rampant. Verse 7, The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his delightful plant. He looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, a cry of distress. You look at our culture today, and it's hard not to see the analogy, isn't it? The wealth we're basking in, the luxury we have on every hand. We've got all sorts of music in every sort of form. We've got every banquet, every delight of the mouth. We've got our drinks, our drugs to kind of lure us into. And you look at the culture, you know, and it's rotten to the core. And when God looks for justice, does He see it? No, He sees violence. He sees the slaughter of the newborns. He sees the slaughter of the unborn. He sees all the wickedness of the crime and the non-justice. This is what God sees when He looks at a culture. And uh, He sees the pride and the arrogance where people say, we don't believe in that kind of a God anymore. Look at verse 20. That's what Israel was saying. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We're the generation that's going to reinvent. Don't you like that? We're going to reinvent government, so they said. We're going to reinvent character. We're going to reinvent ethics. We're going to reinvent yourself if you go to the right store and buy the right clothes. You know, you can reinvent. We can just start over, and we'll call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who do that, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever In their own sight, woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink. You say, this looks an awful lot like our culture. Yes, and verse 13 says this. Therefore, in fact, twice in this chapter, he summarizes with the word therefore. Therefore, my people go into exile for their lack of knowledge. They forgot who God was. They didn't know who God was. They became ignorant, and they're going into exile as punishment. Or verse 24, Therefore, as a tongue of fire consumes stubble, and dry grass collapses into the flame, so their root will become like rot, and their blossom blow away as dust. For they have rejected the law law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. What had they done? Well, they'd rejected the law. They'd despised the word of the Lord. What have people done today? What have many Christians done? Ignored, rejected, despised. filled our mind with anything and everything but that which transforms us. You see, it isn't mere knowledge that God's after. It's knowledge of God. He says, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. Knows me, Jeremiah 9, 24. How are you going to get to know God? You renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now turn over to the fourth occurrence, 2 Corinthians 3. Go to 2 Corinthians 3, crucial text. And I'll tell you, I think it's the best text perhaps in the Bible on this process of transformation. How is it that God can take us from depraved, impure beings and change us completely? Why, in one sense, Romans says he just does it. But in reality, in the practical outworking of it how does this transformation take place don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind the mind is crucial you need to renew your mind now watch what he says and we'll start at second corinthians and i want to set the table but first i'll read the verse that's the key verse 18 we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit and I told you this is the only other occurrence of this word he used it twice regarding our Lord's transformation on the mountain he says in Romans 12 be transformed and here in Corinthians the last occurrence he gives us how this transformation takes place Now, notice the centrality of the mind again. Look at at the whole section. We don't have time to look at the whole passage, but look at verse 3 of chapter 4, and I'd encourage you to read the whole context. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. You see, before Christ, Christian, your mind was blinded by satan the god of this world and he blinded your mind to the beauty of the gospel to the fragrance of christ to where you'll find people not even wanting to hear about christ the altogether lovely one the one who'll give them life and love and forgiveness say, i don't want to hear about that satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving and by the way you know, you think back to before Christ, Satan blinded the minds. Paul writes to the Corinthians later in this same book, in chapter 11, he says, I'm worried for you. Lest as the certain serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So Christian, the same dynamic can happen. In fact, Paul worries about it. He says, I'm worried that just like Satan deceived Eve, Eve and seduced her your minds. Now he doesn't divorce the mind and the heart, but he it's interesting that he uses this language. He's talking about what you think about, how you think, the way you think and and value and prioritize your life. I'm worried that your minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That's the way it was as non-Christians. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. But look at verse 16 of chapter 3. Whenever a man turns to the Lord, when you come to Christ, when a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You are blinded. By Satan to Christ. But when you came to Christ, and some of you recently, some of you decades ago, but all of us can remember, the veil was lifted. We could see Christ for who He really was. When a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That's why we're told to proclaim the excellencies of Him who's called us out of darkness into light. We were blind. We were in the dark. He's called us into the light. We were in the domain of darkness, Colossians 1.13. He's transferred us to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his beloved son. Paul was commissioned in Acts 26 to turn men from the darkness to the light. Oh, what a metaphor and what imagery the Bible uses here. When a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, and then watch what happens, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. This is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Christian transformation is not the kind of bondage that conformity to the world brings, where you just have to start acting like everybody else wants you to act and being something you're not. And I said last week, that's the most miserable way to live for a Christian. But Christian transformation from the inside out is liberating. There is freedom. You're not living to please even other Christians, except as you, uh, we'll see in Romans 14, set aside your liberty to not hurt them, but your primary purpose is to please the Lord. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, I'll tell you, there is freedom. There is liberty. Now, here he describes it. Verse 18, we all, with unveiled face, we've come to Christ, we can see now, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. He transforms us. He does it. He changes us into the likeness of Christ were transformed into the same image from glory to glory. It's a process that keeps going. And that's why it's a beautiful thing to watch a Christian grow because they become more and more like Christ. And so you, and you see it in very practical ways. You see a husband who once lived for himself begin to grow and start to think of his wife's interests and start to put her interests first and start to live with her in an understanding way and start to, in fact, be Christ-like in his love for her, giving up his own rights. In contrast, you see a wife who once asserted that she was a person and she wasn't going to submit to anyone as she realizes the beauty and the liberty and the freedom of knowing Christ and letting Him call the shots, she becomes more and more like Christ. And she submits to her husband as unto the Lord. And you watch the beauty that takes place. And it is a beautiful thing, particularly in contrast to all the bitterness and heartache and strife and wreckage that we see in that most crucial of areas today, marriage. But you see it in every realm. You watch a Christian grow, and they're transformed from the inside out. The Holy Spirit takes God's people, and He changes us as we... Look at it. Behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What's the glory of the Lord? I mean, how do you behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord? Well, don't leave the context here. Look at what the glory of the Lord is. Verse 6 of chapter 4. God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? in the face of Christ. The glory of God is the face of Jesus Christ. We behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What's the mirror? Well, James says the word of God is the mirror. And when you come to the word, he says, don't be a forgetful hearer but an effective doer. Don't be like the man who looks in the mirror and then goes away and forgets what he saw. Look in the word of God and what are you looking for? When you open the scripture, look at verse 18. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Who are you looking for? The face of Christ. Read the scripture with Christ centered eyes. Look for Christ on every page. Theologians talk about the Christocentric nature of the scripture. It's true. When you come to the Bible, it isn't just to get religious data. It's to be transformed. When we say abide in His Word, it's so that you'll see Him. The more time you spend in His Word, the more you see the very glory of God in the face of Christ. And you'll lose your you know, your enthrallment with this world as you're enthralled with the very glory of God, the face of Christ. And it is the Holy Spirit's ministry to take the things of Christ and make them real to us he will glorify me jesus said because he'll take the things of mine and disclose them to you so when you open your bible in the morning christian pray ask god help me see christ you know jesus rebuked the uh scripter what would i call them i was going to say scriptorians you know the uh Pharisees of his day who memorized a lot of verses and had a lot of Bible in them, but they never they didn't read them with you know, they, they they didn't allow he said, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that bear witness of me. I'm quoting John 5, I think it's verse 39. Don't just look at the scripture as a religious book. The scriptures are what bear witness of me. It isn't the scripture that saves you. But the scripture is the mirror whereby you see the face of Jesus Christ. And as you do, as you see Christ in the pages of scripture, the Holy Spirit metamorphos you. Huh? He changes you. You say, How does that work, Scott? I don't really know. I really don't. I mean, there's a sense in which it's a mystery to us, but it's God's work, and He does it by the renewing of our mind. And so we start to think true thoughts about God instead of thinking that God is one who would take all the fun out of your life. Who's that? Who says that? The God of this age, the God of this world. He's got plenty of help. You say, is Satan around speaking under every bush? I don't care whether he is or just his emissaries. You know what I mean? The world, the flesh, and the devil, they're the opponents of God. And the world, don't be conformed to the world's way of thinking. The world says, to be a follower of Christ is to lose all the fun. But you read the scripture and you find out what vanity that is. You look around the world, you can see how vain that is. Then you find out that God loved you enough to give his son for you. He cares for you. And you see Jesus Christ in his beauty and you start to think right thoughts. Your mind is renewed, and you are transformed from the inside out. That's why the Scripture says, you want to be successful, Joshua? As he was kind of taking over for Moses, you know. God said, don't let this word that I'm giving you depart from your mouth. Day and night meditate on it, and it'll, I'll make your way prosperous. Joshua eight. That's why the Scripture says how blessed is the man who doesn't spend all his time just reading the sports page and the stock market page and keeping up on current events or he doesn't just spend all his time just hearing what other people are thinking and listening to the newscasters or listening to the sitcoms or why filling his mind with that kind of garbage. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law, He meditates day and night. And He'll be like a tree, firmly planted, sinking deep roots down, bearing much fruit in season and out of season. You see, the exhortations to the Word of God aren't just religious duties. They're the very lifeline for transformation. How will you be transformed? By the renewing of your mind, fill your mind. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. That's why I so often emphasize to young believers and old believers alike that if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, fill your mind. With the Word of Christ. The Spirit of Christ and the Word of Christ work together. He's the Spirit of truth. He liberates, and it's the Word of truth. And as you fill your mind with God's Word, you start to see who God really is, and you are transformed. You are transformed. The mindset on the flesh, Romans said, remember in chapter 8, you set your mind on the flesh, it's death. But the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Man can't live by bread alone, our Lord said, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How much time are you logging in God's word? Have you seen it as just one of those religious duties, about five you have that you aren't doing too well on or whatever? Listen, it's the lifeline of your relationship with God. How are you going to get to know him? If you don't spend time with him, man can't live on bread alone, but on every word Jesus said. The words that I speak to you, John 6, 63, the very words that I speak to you are spirit and our life. No wonder when he drew that picture in John 15 of a vine and a branch and our need to abide in the vine and when he drew that picture of that knitting together that has to happen with our relationship with him he said if you abide in me and my words abide in you you're going to bear much fruit are you spending time in his word are you renewing your mind do you find yourself thinking more like a Christian than you did six months ago or a year ago or three years ago Oh, feed on God's Word. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be like David who said in the 119th Psalm, My eyes anticipate the night watches that I might meditate on thy Word. If you wake up at night, look forward to that instead of saying, Oh, brother, don't count sheep. (laughs) My eyes anticipate the night watches that I might meditate on thy word. you got to put it in here first so you can think on it, mull it over. You put it in here and you put it in here. The Bible, as I said, doesn't separate these two. And today I'm emphasizing what Romans 12 is emphasizing, the renewal of your mind, how you think. Think. Ask God to help you. Think what this verse means, what these truths mean, what they should mean to you. Pray. Then behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord... And you'll be transformed into the same image. He makes you more and more like Christ from glory to glory. Is your lifestyle transformed? I mean, can I use that language? You say, I really can't. Renew your mind. Renew your mind today. Get in God's word. Is your habit patterns, are your habit patterns such that you could say, this man is changed? He's like Christ. This woman is a wholly different gal than the one I used to know. Renew your mind. And God does that. And I tell you, when Christians do that, God is pleased to bear fruit. And He's looking for fruit. He didn't find it in Israel. He found people scrambling after money and drink and drugs and banquets and pleasure and music and everything but Him. They'd neglected His word. Oh, in the church today, there are so many who don't look much different than this world. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect.
1: You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled Be Transformed, a message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times, and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.net. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to the new site and check it out? There will be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's AbideInTheWord.net. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: Don't let this world make you something you're not, but rather be changed, transformed. And last time we looked at this great transformation that God wants to do in our lives, when we put ourselves at His disposal... He changes us from the inside out. There's a transformation, a complete and radical change. Everything about us is different. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. But that isn't just a one-time thing, nor is it merely a positional thing. Our life is to reflect that. So we're new creatures in Christ, and everything about us is to be changed. And it doesn't just happen. Now, before God, it does. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're a new creature.
1: But it's a process of transformation. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled, Be Transformed. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.